What up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. Here to give a shout out to State Farm for proudly supporting this show and all the storytellers on the Michael Tura podcast network. State Farm values family as much as we do, and that's why they offer surprisingly great rates. So you don't have to give up doing the things you love with the folks you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we are committed to elevating Latino voices. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. And with help from State Farm, we can speak on things like mental health, culture, financial literacy, living life as a gringo, and so much more. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, and our people because our loved ones are just as important to them as they are to you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador, Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, and so many other names I probably can't say on radio from my critics. But what's up? We're here 17 blocks away from New York's Madison Square Garden, right here in the city, the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps. And you're on with me, Rich Valdez, here, This Is America, where everybody comes to talk about the latest. Now, Joe Biden and the Democrats are using unemployment as extortion against small businesses in America. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Joe Biden has created a backdoor way to get small business owners to pony up and pay a higher rate of labor outside of actual market forces. And then he goes on to talk about it and brag about it. Last night at the town hall, I believe it was hosted by CNN. If I'm wrong, correct me and you can get at me at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, but Joe Biden had the audacity to um, say a lot of things. One of the things that he rambled on and on and on about was inflation. He also went on and talked about how extended unemployment benefits have kept people from going back to work. So he admits it on live television. But it gets better. We employ hundreds of hardworking team members throughout the state of Ohio and across the country. And we're looking to hire more every day as we try to restart our restaurant business. The entire industry, amongst other industries, continue to struggle to find employees. How do you and the Biden administration plan to incentivize those that haven't returned to work yet? Hiring is our top priority right now. Well, two things. One, if you notice, we kept you open. We spent billions of dollars to make sure restaurants could stay open. And, uh, and uh, a lot of people who now, who worked as waiters and waitresses, uh, decided that they don't want to do that anymore because there's other opportunities at higher wages, because there's a lot of openings now in jobs. And people are beginning to move, beginning to move. There's some evidence that maintaining the ability to continue to not to not have your have to pay your rent so you don't get thrown out and being able to provide for unemployment insurance has kept people from going back to work. 
there's no not much distinction between not going back to work in a restaurant and not going back to work at a at a factory. Uh, so people are looking to change opportunities, change what they're doing. He also says that these growing concerns over inflation, raising prices, is, quote, rational. And to make things worse, he actually scolds a small business owner that's trying to find more workers for his business. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. But I want you to listen to Joe El Baboso Biden, the president of the free world, the United States, rationalizing his case for why inflation is normal and how we're going to get better soon. It's all part of the recovery. Listen to this. So you seem pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Because they're going to be providing good opportunities and jobs for people who, in fact, are going to be reinvesting that money back in all the things we're talking about. Driving down prices, not raising prices. And so it, it is, I, 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 I sincerely mean this. Prices are up now, and they're up in, for example, you're in a position where you're trying to build a house, try to find two-by-fours and lumber. Well, guess what? People stop working cutting lumber. They stopped doing it because they, their, their, their unemployment was so down. Now, all of a sudden, there's this need because people are coming back. And guess what? Instead of paying 10 cents, you're paying 20. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It relates to what, in fact, is now needed because we're growing. Because we're growing. So you crush the economy, create inflation, destroy American energy independence, or maybe at least harm it. And then you go on TV and you brag about it because this is all somehow a good thing, right? Then you go on to not only admit that extended unemployment benefits have kept people from going back to work, but you seem kind of happy about it. Wow. And, and if that wasn't enough, then you're going to sit here and tell a small business owner, that same one, to pay more to find more workers because that is the backdoor mechanism that you and the progressive left have come up with. Joe Biden, you should be ashamed of yourself. And this is just part of the problem of why we're having so many issues in the United States right now. We went from a place where we were beating up on this guy, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, because he tweeted too much, because he was brash, because he was uh, filled with bravado, because we didn't like his hair. We didn't like anything about the guy, right? Everybody wanted to complain about how orange he was. Yet, inflation wasn't an issue. Wars were not an issue. Hacking and all of these cyber attacks and Lord knows what else is happening, right? I just saw this alert come in literally a couple of seconds ago. Major web outage hits websites as 911 service goes down in multiple cities. Airlines as well. Among the affected websites were U.S. Bank, UPS, Fox News, American Airlines, AT&T, and Expedia. Now, I'm not saying that our enemies didn't hack us when Donald Trump was in office, but I'm saying they thought twice. Now they don't think at all. It seems to be a free-for-all with Biden. We're constantly getting hacked. He hasn't done a damn thing. What has he done? He's like, we got to build back better. Where's all that um, unity and healing now? Why aren't we healing from these previous attacks? What is it that you're doing to help America? Instead, you're on tour t telling people, small business owners included, no, listen, you just got to pay a little more. Because you said, you know what? If, if 
we can't legislate an increase in the minimum wage and get people to pay more out of thin air because we want to push a living wage, right? A, a populist workers movement from the left, the Marxist idea personified in Biden's plans. If we can't do that, then we're going to force you through paying people to stay home through unemployment and extended unemployment benefits. And you've heard them admit it. And what makes it worse is that our foreign enemies, adversaries, they see the vulnerability. They see that Biden's very wishy-washy and doesn't stand for anything. So he falls for everything. And that's why we have this major outage, a major internet outage. This is in the uh, Daily Mail. And again, it doesn't surprise me, but it's disappointing to say the least. Affecting websites for retail, 911 services. Why? I mean, come on. This happened just before noon on Thursday. The damage that Biden has done in such a short time compared to the good that Trump did in his one term is incomparable. It's incomparable that we now have people in the military that, that when Trump was in there said, you know, we were unsatisfied with the military under Obama. Trump's kind of bringing it back. This love of country, focus on the military, rebuilding a strong military, super. Now we're right back where we started. Now you've got General uh, Lloyd Austin, the um, DOD secretary, who wasn't even supposed to be DOD secretary, but they made an exemption for him. Biden breaks all the rules. He gets whatever he wants, which again, maybe that's just me having sour grapes, perhaps. But he says no critical race theory. And listen, I want to say kudos to General Austin on this, but I just don't know if I can believe him. It's kind of like Joe Biden when he tells me, um, you know, inflation's good. Paying double for two by four as well. You know, it means we're getting better. I'd hate to have Joe Biden as a doctor. Dr. Baboso, paging Dr. Baboso, paging Dr. Baboso. Hello, patient. Oh, well, I'm Joe Biden and I'm going to tell you, uh, am I dying, doctor? Oh, not only are you dying, but you're going to die very slowly, very painful death. And that's because you're getting better. I mean, Joe Biden delivers news in just such an uh, inane, crazy way. And he surrounds himself with similar crazies. Now, perhaps I don't have the intellectual bandwidth to understand what Joe El Baboso is saying. I won't uh, discount that. That may be a possibility. But I tend to think that he's the one that is in error here. I don't know, but let's see. Now, Lloyd Austin is at the Pentagon. Um, Let's see. Today's Thursday. This was Wednesday. Saying critical race theory is not something this department embraces. And we're going to look like the country that we actually defend. And listen... Like Martin Luther King said, we have to look at the content of one's character. Everybody I know that's ever served in the military, including my brother Bobby, thank you for your service, has always said that, you know, it's not about what color you are. It's about the red, white, and blue. It's about serving America. And I think that's what uh, General Austin is saying here. But I think he's saying it because the left-wing media and even the progressives within the media are at him saying, we want you to come clean. Tell us if you're one of us or not. We want to know, are you going to teach this stuff? What's going on? Are these books being included? And he's saying, well, no, no, no. And the problem with this is they call it many different things. They call it uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, D-E and I. They also call it um, social, emotional, this, that, and the other thing, right? So with all these different names that people want to call it, they're introducing things that are based in the same thing, Marxism. And Levin points this out expertly in his new book, which you got to get a copy of and get it on Amazon because you'll get it faster or just walk to your local bookstore, whatever you want to do, but get a copy and actually read it. The last chapter is the one that answers. What do we do, Mark? What do we do? What do we do? What can a regular person like me do? Again, that answer is always going to be sacrifice. You've got to lose something because they're taking stuff away. So you're already losing something. 
It's kind of like saying, I want to get into a fight, but I don't want to get punched in the face. You're going to get punched in the face. You got to sacrifice your face. Uh, Take a couple of shots. Not everybody's Mike Tyson. You're not going to knock everybody out on the first shot. But I'm getting onto a tangent. I want to hear from General Lloyd Austin, and then we'll get into the sacrifice and all that stuff that's necessary to take America back. Listen to this. Uh, Barb, you've heard me say that the critical race theory is not something that this department uh, uh, teaches, professes, embraces. Um, You've also heard uh, a couple of uh, uh, people at academic institutions say that, you know, they have required this to be uh, reading for their students in, in specific courses. Uh, but because that's the case, does does not mean that this department uh, embraces uh, th- this theory. And I stand by what I said earlier. And Barb, I don't want us to get distracted with the with the critical race uh, uh, conversation. This department will be diverse. Uh, it will be inclusive, and uh, uh, we're going to look like the country that we support and defend. And. Th- you know, our, our leadership will look like what's in the ranks of, uh, of, of, of our military. And so I'm committed to that. Uh, this department's committed to that. The chairman's committed to that. Uh, and that's what we're going to stay focused on. And so, you know, we're not going to spend too much time uh, debating the merits of, of this theory or any other theory. Uh, we're going to stay focused on making sure that we create the right force uh, to defend this country and promote our values. Well, you know what? I take you at your word today. I applaud what you're saying, General Austin, Secretary Austin. I hope that it's true, and I hope that's the direction that our military is going in because I've had people call me offline and tell me they've got all sorts of crazy things. You've got some base commanders that are saying, you know what, we want to know X, Y, and Z. We want to do this. We want to do that, whether it's um, the um, the pushing of the vaccines or this equity, diversity, inclusion, or I think it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, D, E, and I. And it's this whole point here that, again, I'm not against diversity. Like, by their standards, I'm brown. By my standards, I'm American. But by their standards, I'm brown. And it's okay to embrace your heritage. I love the fact that I'm brown, right? I love the fact that we, you know, you know, we've got a little salsa, a little merengue. I love our culture. I love the arroz con habichuela. I love it all. And I love hot dogs on the 4th of July. But my point is, I think it's okay to embrace your culture. I don't think multiculturalism is a bad thing. I don't think that when the pipes and drums march in the parade representing the police that the guys are wearing kilts because there was a bunch of Irish that, you know, really built up the New York City constabulary a million years ago. I say kudos to them, my Irish brethren. Erin Gobrag, top of the morning. Feliz Navidad, whatever. My point is, I I think it's okay to embrace your culture, but overall, what brings us together in this melting pot is that the pot is called America. And we're all here together. So I hope uh, Secretary Austin's telling the truth. But it reminds me of this other cut that I want you to hear from a mom. And she's at a school board meeting, I believe in Kansas. And she lets them have it because she wants people to know that Critical race theory is the action of a Marxist movement that teaches kids to hate America. Now, people say, oh, but we're not telling anybody to hate America. No, instead, we're going to tell you, did you know that the country was founded by a bunch of white supremacists? 
Mm. No, no, don't hate America. Uh, did you know that these people stole the land from Indians? No, 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 don't hate America. Did you know that these people abused black people and made them slaves? No, 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 don't hate America. And, and they're going to keep going and saying, no, we're not teaching, we're just teaching accurate history. Listen, all of that stuff is A, known, and B, factual as long as it's taught in the context of history when you're teaching it to somebody to say that now you go to step c right here's a here's b now step c you have to atone for the sins of your forefathers this whole corrupt country built and based on racism and slavery is destined to fail and it's your fault because you're white or because you're related or because you have the privilege of being white because you can drive and blast M&M and nobody will pull you over. But if Rich Valdez drives down the block, I get arrested or I get uh, assaulted or I get uh, a ticket or whatever and what have you. It's all a bunch of nonsense. I'm right here talking to you and I have been pulled over sometimes for driving too fast, sometimes for, for reasons that I can't even explain. But I don't necessarily think they're because I'm brown. I think it's usually because it's close to the end of the month. Cops have a little bit of a unspoken quota and they want to give out tickets. Right? I once got stopped Easter Sunday driving like 30 miles an hour. You're doing 32 in a 25 and I got the ticket. And I was like, wow, it's Easter Sunday. Both my beautiful daughters in the car in their beautiful Easter dresses. Anyway, we were coming back from church. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my God, the cops are against me. They pulled me over because we're brown. Come on, man. That's nonsense. But I think this mom, and I want you to hear what she has to say, is spot on. Listen to this. I love that we start each meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance, where we all agree that we are one nation, one people, indivisible. Imagine my disappointment when I read this material from a mandatory DEI teacher training that states that America, uh, quote, America is a racist country built on racist ideas. It goes on to say, and I quote, privileged white people oppress people of color and heterosexual people suppress gay people. This training went on to encourage teachers to, quote, use your voice and educate and share the truth about racism with others and help organize or attend protests. This hateful, divisive material teaches teachers to hate America and ultimately break every person down into privileged and the oppressed. This is the exact definition of critical race theory. CRT is not a noun as we've been using it. It's a verb. CRT is the action of a Marxist movement that teaches people to hate America and it segregates people into privileged and oppressed. Sounds a lot like this training. Blue Valley chooses to call this training DE&I. So you can tell the public and the state board of education that you don't teach CRT. You can call this whatever you want. The material is CRT. Here's my biggest concern. In the late, in the last board meeting, you mentioned having DEI committees at each school. What oversight do these committees have? What are you doing to ensure this material is not being taught to our children? Recently, one of you up there was quoted, Blue Valley is going to insert DEI into everything we do, and we will rewrite curriculum to insert DEI. If this is a material being taught as DEI, it needs to be stopped immediately, and parents need assurances that this hateful, divisive material will not be built into our curriculum. Yep, exactly. And kudos to that mom, because guess what? It is critically important for us to make sure that we protect our children. But I'm going to tell you this. We have to decide. Now back to the tangent from before, because now it intertwines with all of this. We've got to be ready. Right? I got one kid left in public school, and if I need to take her out of that school, I will. But I thank God that I've taught her enough to think on her own two feet, and when she sees the BS coming, she can think critically for herself and say, you know what, that doesn't sound right. And that's the point. We have to be ready to take our kids out of public school. Oh, but Rich, I work too freaking bad, you work. 
Do you love America or are you going to say you work? Do you love America? Do you want to keep your kids safe or not? That's the point we're at. Well, where's the Republican Party? Where, why do I elect these people? What is, what's a regular person, nine to five person like me to do? Fight and fight like hell. And no, I'm not calling you to arms. No, I'm not calling you for a civil war. I stand against all of that stuff. Not necessary and honestly won't fix anything. Ideological subversion is running amok in so many sections of our country. We just talked about Biden and his stupidity with our economy and how he's using unemployment to extort small business owners and and all. But some bigger companies may be able to afford it. Amazon said, sure, I'll jump in. We'll go 15 bucks. And now they're bragging about it on their commercials, saying that, you know, they can buy flowers for their front yard because they have all this extra spending cash because Amazon pays double the federal minimum wage to all employees. Great. Good for you, man. God bless you. Bezos has enough money to go flying in space. But the guy in the bodega on the corner, the mom and dad that struggle to make sure that their kids are fed and clothed and have a home to live in, don't always have that luxury. So Biden is putting the squeeze play on the American people by way of extorting American business owners using unemployment as leverage, saying, look, I'm going to keep paying your people to stay home. Wawa, you will continue to beg people $500 signing bonus, $800 signing bonus, whatever you got to do to get people on board until you agree to pay them more. So it's worth their while to get off the couch. And I'm going to artificially inflate the cost of labor in the United States if you don't do what I say. That is fascistic if I've ever seen anything that was. But it's like the new American fascism, or as Levin would say it, the new Americanized Marxism. They're using all of those tactics to wage war in many ways, this very unconventional war of subversion on American culture, and they're doing it right in front of you. So if you think that because you've voted for a Republican and you have a representative in Congress that that's somehow going to change things, I've got another thing for you. You're dead wrong. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Straight ahead, Liz Cheney, Kevin McCarthy, and all of that crazy stuff that AOC said to get Pelosi to make a move on all of this. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And in segment three, we're going to talk about an announcement that I told you I was going to make today. I'm going to make that announcement a little bit after this segment. But first, I want to talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Last night, I had the uh, good pleasure of speaking with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy in my uh, double duty as the producer on The Levin Show associate producer, Mr. Call Screener, not to be confused with my buddy, Mr. Producer, who is a producer on this show as well, and we love him. Big shout out to Mr. Producer. Follow him on social media at Rich Cementa. And while you're there, follow me at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S, and check out my Rumble channel because all of this audio that I've been playing on Biden and whatnot, that stuff is all on rumble.com slash Rich Valdez with an S. And if you want to take a look at it, share it with your friends so they could hear it coming right from him. If they don't want to hear my commentary on this, go to Rumble and you'll have an opportunity to watch his stupidities, or as I like to say, his babosadas directly from the horse's mouth, Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, Liz Cheney, 
who's somebody that, you know, honestly, I, I, I do respect. I can't say I don't like her. Uh, I disagree with her. She's been very cordial to me in the past and, and her staff as well. But I disagree with her position. I understand that there's some bad blood uh, from back in the days. I also understand that she just has a different view of republicanism. And I came up in in that uh, era, on you know, under I should say the the ranks of George W. Bush when I was in my early twenties. Is the, that was the first presidential campaign I ever worked on in 2004. So I understand the country club uh, Republican mentality, and I don't put it down per se. I may disagree with it. I understand it, and like uh, Levin aptly points out, they're corporatists, and you know it's the whole U.S. Chamber of Commerce crowd, and they're willing to to stand for the right thing until it's like, well, that doesn't really benefit my pocket so much. And, and these are the Republicans I think AOC hates, right? And I can't say that I hate them. I do think that they should make better choices, but I do believe in the free market of ideas. So I believe, you know what, my ideas are better than yours, and I'm going to prove it to you by getting more people on board with my ideas, because to me, they're the ones that make the most sense. But all that being said, Liz Cheney, uh, she had some comments with respect to Nancy Pelosi objecting to Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, because one of them might actually be a witness and could disqualify himself. Listen to this. Today, the Speaker objected to two Republican members. She accepted three others. She objected to two, one of whom may well be a material witness to events that led to that day, that led to January 6th. The other who disqualified himself by his comments in particular over the last 24 hours demonstrating that he is not taking this seriously. He is not dealing with the facts of this investigation, but rather viewed it as a political platform. This investigation must go forward. The idea that anybody would be playing politics with an attack on the United States Capitol is despicable and is disgraceful. And I am absolutely dedicated and committed to making sure that this investigation holds those accountable who did this and ensures that it never happens again. And the American people deserve that, and that is what we're going to do. Now, listen, I'm going to leave it to her and them to decide. I don't know if you could be a witness and be on the committee uh, if that is a conflict of interest. I think if you're a congressperson, you know, it's like if you're a cop, right? If you're a cop, you're a cop. You're there, you're doing your job, etc. If you gave me a ticket and I call you as a witness and I want to do a direct examination of you in court because I tell the judge, I want to go to trial, I disagree with this, I want to talk to the officer. And I want to say, you know what, did you check out your speed gun? Was your speed gun working? What were the weather conditions that day? And I want to grill him. Does that mean that the cop can't both be a cop and be a witness? I think they do it all the time. Right? They take an hour or half a day or whatever it is and they go to court, they testify, they do what they got to do, then they get back in their police car and go back to policing. So I can't see the logic in how this may be the case. But again, if that's true and I'm wrong, then that's fine. I think uh, Liz Cheney is is somebody that obviously she's on the record. She voted for impeachment. We know where she's at. We know there's animosity. If anything, I would say it's the other way around, that Nancy Pelosi has something to gain by having Liz Cheney in this committee. And if Kevin McCarthy, who is the minority leader, says, look, I'm the head of this conference. I don't want you here. We took you out of leadership because you did not have the best interests of the party that you represented as a leader when you made your vote, then guess what? We've got a problem. So I think it's it's a conflict of interest to have someone like Liz Cheney on this committee. But AOC, squeaky wheel, getting the oil. Wah, 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 wah. So she did what she did. Pelosi blasted these two and now they're out. But Kevin McCarthy had some comments on that as well. And he says, you know what? We're not going, right? We're not going to do it. We're, we're done here. So he says, unless Pelosi seats all five Republicans, 
we will not participate in her sham committee. Good for him. Listen to this. Unless Speaker Pelosi reverses course and seats all five Republicans, we will not participate. But we think it's too important that those two questions, why were we ill-prepared? Why did they know on December 14th? Why would they jeopardize the lives of the Capitol Police? We will run our own investigation. We have law enforcement. We have military. We have doctors. We have people from all walks of life. They want to know the answer. The American people deserve that. They don't deserve politics. They don't deserve destroying the institution. No committee in Congress will work if one person is picking all who can serve. This has not happened before. You know, I think McCarthy's right. The American people don't deserve politics. They don't deserve destroying the institution known as the United States House of Representatives. And he's right when he says no committee in Congress will work if one person is picking everybody that can serve. Of course, that's completely autocratic. But yet that's how Nancy Labruja Pelosi likes to do it. That's exactly what she likes. And this is why we have the problems that we have. So I think McCarthy nailed it. When he said that, you know, House Democrats are allowing lame duck Speaker Nancy Pelosi to destroy the institution, I think he's spot on. But I also want you to hear from Jim Jordan. Now, this is a little bit long, but you know what? Jim Jordan's a firecracker. He is terrific, and I think he's worth listening to. So let's listen to Representative Jim Jordan. The the leader and Jim are exactly right. This has always been about politics, uh, and today's actions of the Speaker just confirm that. But frankly, uh, and I've said this before, what else are they going to talk about? I mean, they've been they're so focused on the January 6th committee. What else are they going to they talk about crime? The fact that crime is up in every major urban area in this country. They're going to they're going to talk about the border crisis. I mean, think about this. March was the highest month on record for illegal crossings until April. April was the highest month on record until May. May was the highest month on record until June. Can't talk about that. They're going to talk about inflation. They're going to talk about the fact that the price of eggs is up, the price of milk is up, the price of bread is up, the price of gas is up, the price of an airline ticket is up, the price of a use, the price of everything is up. They can't talk about that. So they're going to be partisan and they're going to focus on this. But as the leader said, and as Mr. Banks said, I don't think they're going to address the fundamental question. The fundamental question of why wasn't there a proper, uh, proper security presence at the Capitol that day? They're not going to address that. And only one person can answer that question. Only one speaker of the United States House of Representatives. My hunch is my hunch is the reason I want to address that question. My hunch is, is because what happened all last year? The Democrats normalized anarchy. They normalized rioting and looting. And when rioters and looters attacked our law enforcement personnel, when rioters and looters destroyed small businesses, what did Democrats do? They went out and raised money to bail them out of jail, and they continue to talk about defunding the police and, in fact, did that in all these major urban areas, which is why crime is up. So they don't want to talk about that stuff. They just want to be partisan. They just want to continue to attack the former president. They want to play their political game. So I applaud Leader McCarthy for saying we're going to do our job. We're going to continue to work and get to the bottom and answer the questions that the leader raised, the questions that, frankly, the American people want answers to. Well, I mean, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't it make sense that right now this is a political game? Trump is out, impeached twice. They keep trying to arrest him on bogus charges. Every day, somebody tweets at me, wait till they take Trump out in handcuffs. And Trump's literally on a golf course every day, orange as can be, never arrested. Because they're just fascinated with this fascistic approach to politics. We don't like you, we arrest you. No, it doesn't work that way. 
This is a sham. They're playing politics and they're doing it to make it look like we have an entire party that is evil. Now, you could say, well, Rich, come on. In all fairness, you make all Democrats out to be Castro. You're right. Maybe there's times that I do that. I try my best to clarify that I don't think it's all. And it's really, it's the usual suspects. The four horsemen of the squad plus their new uh, sidekick, Cory Bush, and the people that they influence. But it's it's relatively a, a fringe that has grown, just like Bernie Sanders. And we're going to hear from, from those two fools right now uh, in, the, in the next segment. But the bottom line here. No, not every, I don't believe anybody is a monolith. I don't believe all Hispanics are the same. I don't believe all whites are the same. I don't believe all Republicans are the same. And I don't believe all Democrats are the same. But I do believe that those that act like Che Guevara and Fidel Castro need to be treated as such and called out for it. And Nancy Pelosi fits the bill. So if the shoe fits, put it on, get on your broom, y vete para allá. All right. Anyway, keep it locked right there. Straight ahead, a little bit from Sanders, a little bit from All Out Crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. And that announcement I was telling you about. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez, and we're not done yet. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. This is America. Oh, yeah. All right. Welcome back. What's up? What's up? Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. This is the final segment. We are almost out of here, but I want to go over a couple of quick things that are still going on because we have so much in the news today. There's this hacking. There's Nancy Pelosi. There's AOC, all out crazy, all of that fun stuff. And some comments from Bernie, the Bolshevik Sanders that I want to get to. And I want to start off with good old AOC, right? Because AOC... And kudos to her on this one. Sat down with Nick Ballacy, Just the News. And they talked about how, you know, lots of things are happening. But she's saying, <laughs> this is the, the takeaway here, because I think this one's good. That exactly what I just said they were doing, right? That her and her ilk are trying to, to do this socialist takeover here in America. She says that the Republicans are laying the groundwork for regime change in Cuba. What? The Republicans don't have the White House. The Republicans don't have the House of Representatives. And the Republicans don't have the Senate. So how is it that we are doing anything when they're in charge of all of the policy? Hmm. First question for you, Madam AOC. But All Out Crazy in her All Out Craziness had this to say to Nick Ballacy. Listen to this. On Cuba, you probably heard a lot of Republicans point to what's going on there with the protests and say it's evidence in Cuba that socialism and communism does not work in terms of economic systems. Uh, What would be your response to that? I mean, again, as I said earlier, I think it's disappointing that Republicans are trying to make this about them and not centering the human rights violations of Cubans and what's happening to the Cuban people. You know, this isn't right now, like, what we need to do is urgently support human rights, the right for free speech, the right for protest, and not try to vaguely allude to the possibility of U.S. intervention and regime change. 
And you, you probably saw also some Democrats are saying it's not just the embargo that's the problem. No, the it's, actual- it's not. You know, this issue is it's not just one facet, but where the U.S. has historically been most aggressive in uh, and where we you know in bringing up the embargo, you're pointing to the U.S. role, whereas and what and U.S. actions, because if you leave that gaping uh, opening. My concern is that people are trying to lay the groundwork for regime change. Now, listen, if you listen to this show and you've listened to at least the last three episodes, and I, I really implore you to please listen. This is serial, right? It's, it's episodic, but we do always reinforce what we talked about in the previous episode. So always listen to at least the last three episodes. There's 200 episodes online that you can listen to, more than 200. Uh, I please urge you, even though it's topical with the news of the day, there's a lot of uh, philosophical stuff that we cover and lots of you know larger themed ideas that continue from, from a year ago that are still relevant today. So I think you could benefit from that. And I thank you for listening and sharing this with your friends because we, we just got our chart report, by the way, uh, separately, just before I go into that. And man, we did really well with that. So I'm going to get into that in a minute. But AOC and I agree on this one thing. Ding, ding, ding. Sound the alarms. Everybody get ready. Play the music, whatever it is. I do agree that the U.S. is angling for regime change. I just don't think that it's the Republicans that are doing it. It's Biden. And he's doing it the way Democrats always do, the way they did it with the Arab Spring, the way they do it every time they get a chance. They do it subversively. They they use uh, as much camouflage, if you will. Uh, and I said that wrong on purpose. Please don't flood my inbox with, Rich, you mispronounced uh, whatever and blah, blah. blah. I, I get too much of that. But I think they used all of this um, th- these tactics and they're trying to test the waters with it and see how far they can go. And it's Biden who's doing that because this is Biden's style. And if I had to guess, I would say that it's Xi, President Xi, the CCP, the People's Republic of China, whomever you um, want to blame as the bad guy there. I believe that China, or as Trump would say, China, I believe that China is puppeteering Biden, at least in this aspect. They are leveraging their power on him to say, look, we want you to do regime change and put somebody that's friendly to us so we can have that. And I, I based this analysis on, I mentioned it before. They tried to buy up lots of things, and they have. The Chinese have bought up lots of islands, small islands, micro, uh, fake, phony fraud islands that they're calling aquatic this and aquatic that and whatever it is, water parks. They, they're trying to get into water into the Caribbean so that they can have a presence there, which is, again, right close to us. So to me, it makes sense from that perspective that we have them as a threat and we have to look at them. And I think it makes sense for China to work through Biden because they couldn't work through Trump. He brought it to them pretty hard with a trade war, tariffing everything up the wazoo. So I don't know. That's just my thing. And I think AOC is right that they probably want regime change. I think everybody wants regime change. But the thing is, we don't want to go, like we say in Spanish, from Guatemala para Guatapeor, right? We don't want to go from Guatabad to Guataworse. It sounds funnier and better in Spanish. But anyway, Bernie Sanders is on PBS on Wednesday, and he says that the infrastructure bill has Republicans nervous because Democrats are about to pass long-due progressive policies into law. And I think to myself, how is it that Republicans are going to be nervous when it's everybody in America should be nervous that more and more progressive policies are coming into play? It's the progressive policies of FDR that are wreaking havoc today. It spawned the 1960s liberals. You take that with some of the ethnocentric radicals, Malcolm X, Farrakhan, Elijah Muhammad, etc. Bringing in that level of hatred, and voila, 
here we are today. Listen to Bernie the Bolshevik Sanders. Senator, I hear you saying this is a, quote, partisan bill. You're not counting on Republican votes. You'd like to get it passed with all 50 Democrats and the vice president breaking the tie. But you do have Republicans still calling this tax and spend. Uh, They're using words (laughs) like uh, reckless. They're saying we had Senator Barrasso saying this really does seem to be, quote, Bernie's effort to socialism, the ultimate liberal wish list. What do you say to them? Well, I say that on virtually every single proposal, it has widespread support from the American people. I let Mr. Barrasso go to the folks in Wyoming and ask them whether they think it's a good idea that they should be paying, you know, a third of their income in childcare. Ask elderly people who don't have any teeth in their mouth whether they should be uh, able to get dentures through Medicare. Ask the scientific community whether the time is now in a big way to deal with climate. Ask the ordinary American consumer, whether we should take on the greed of the pharmaceutical industry, which charges us the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. What makes the Republicans very nervous, and they are, it is true, they are, is they know that this is an extremely popular set of proposals long overdue. And in fact, by demanding that the wealthy and large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes, we're going to pay for it in a progressive way. Hey, the O'Meal, Bernie Sanders, you kill me. <laughs> the one thing we got to give Bernie Sanders credit for is he is a true Bolshevik. He doesn't hide his true colors. He always keeps it real. He keeps it gangster. Now, what I'll say is this. We all need to be afraid of Bernie Sanders' policies being enacted into law. Punto y final, period, the end. Because they're just not good for America. Now, I will say, I think he's talking about this corporatist country club Republican that still exists today and will always because I do believe in the big tent of the Republican Party. And they don't care what they pay for labor. And the more cheap and free labor they can get, the better. And that's wrong. And we have to work to stop that. And that's why you've got people pushing things like the Rhino Project and so many other things. And if we have time in another episode, we'll get to that stuff. But that's where we are today. So we have challenges of ideas inside the Republican Party and the conservative movement, which, you know, many Republicans aren't conservatives. So I get that. But every American should be nervous about this progressive push. Every American. Whether it's Biden's proposals that are continuing to expand unemployment so that Americans can stay home and small business owners can be extorted into doing what the government says on minimum wage. Whether it's applauding inflation as if it's a good thing. And when we're actually failing in our economy and the markets are tanking to say that this is part of a recovery, if you want to believe Joe Biden on that, that's on you. I'm not. My mother always told me, mira nene, no seas bobo. Don't be a fool. So I'm not listening to Joe El Baboso Biden. I'm not with the critical race theory. Kudos to all the parents across America that continue to stand up and even more kudos to those that have the courage to take their kids out of public school. Every kid that comes out of public school, those dollars follow the kid. If you're not going, if you're, if a thousand kids leave public school, that's a thousand times the amount that each student gets annually. It's going to be a death blow to these school districts. You want to get them to listen? Play the same game they're playing. Anyway, this is what I always say. We have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't sit there and do nothing. Do something. That's what I did. I said, you know what? I need to reach more people with my podcast. And that's why we moved to a new network. We're now on the iHeartRadio platform through the um, speaker service through iHeartRadio. And 
We're with a new network, the Yay Network, which is uh, the syndicator of the Craddock Show down in Texas. You may have heard of it. They do a lot of uh, adult contemporary music, and I'm thrilled to be a part of that family. They've been terrific so far, and I'm excited to reach this um, message, have this message reach more and more people. So you can find out more about that on all of my social media. I'll be tweeting about the uh, announcement. It's been published in a few um, uh, news sources. And I just want to thank all of you because we've continued to rise in the charts and the news commentary chart on Apple Podcasts in that top 100 because you listen, because you share, because you leave the five-star comments. And it, it's an honor to me to read those comments when I get them. And I want to give kudos to the, the folks that did leave comments in the last couple of days. I mentioned that I would uh, shout them out on this episode and I am going to. I just have to find it. <laughs> so big shout to Newport PD25 who's uh, listening from Newport Beach, Rhode Island, saying Rich needs a longer show. It's very informative and enthusiastic. Listening in Rhode Island. Thank you, brother. and uh, Or sister, because I don't know from the, from the handle. And another five-star review here. Top rate, can't say enough about this, intelligent, laser-focused culture warrior who continues to kick it up a notch on every podcast. Man, I hope I continue to... Um, Make you happy there. <laughs> that That is the name of the game. Uh, and that's Anti-Woke 61, uh, putting that on Apple Podcasts from Canada. And we actually chart in Canada as well. The show has grown internationally. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. I'm Sulin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist wherever you get your podcasts.